Hey, yeah, welcome back to hour two here on the local hour edition here on the Saturday, August 20th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Moose Podcast. Pratt's Power Hour, no Charlie Burris this week, but we still got, yeah, Brian Bassin as he's here every week of On the Forecheck. We also got first timer locked on Preds, Nick Morgan to talk about, yeah, you guessed it, the Preds. A um, lot of fun talking all things Predators with Nick and with Brian on this edition of the program. Uh, we also talk about uh, the draft and the award show going to Nashville uh, next year. We talked about some Calgary Flame stuff that kind of affects where we see uh, the Preds a little bit, the Sharks rebuild. We talk about uh, just kind of going through uh, all the different trades over the last couple of years, the major trades with the Preds and uh, reflecting on them now uh, versus uh, how we felt about them at the time. So all kinds of fun talking all things Preds uh, with Brian and Nick, and I uh, think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, don't forget, folks, you can check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash podcast. Like and subscribe there. All kinds of new video content every single day on the YouTube page. So we continue growing that out, so check that out uh, if you have not already done so. Also, uh, please make sure that uh, you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that is indeed how you listen to today's episode. Make sure you're already subscribed on your preferred podcast player. But if you already are subscribed, it takes about two seconds. Just leave us a five-star rating and a review telling other folks why they should listen to the program, uh, why you like uh, listening to the Chasing Most Podcast each and every day. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. All right, part two on a Saturday. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Preds Power Hour on a Friday. We're back. Brian Baston is here as he is every week. Brian, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty fantastic. How are you doing? Not too bad. Jumping from one thing to the next. I feel like it's hotter this week in East Tennessee than it's been in a little bit. Like I am dying. Get in, in and out of my car. Uh, campus is booming. A lot of folks. Uh, so for the good folks wondering, is Tennessee back? Tennessee is indeed back. People forget. I'm excited to be inside Neyland. Like we're less than two weeks away from me being inside Neyland. I'm the Friday Night Lights is back. So I was back for every Thursday last night in Sevier County. That was a blast. Um, more games to go to the, tonight. Um, very, very excited. Like football is just back. That means the NBA will be back soon. That means hockey will be back soon. Like the fall is just the best sports mm-hmm. time. And it's just the excitement when you realize everything's coming back because that lull we've been in in summer where we've talked about, like, what do we talk about here? Like there's we're running the bottom of the barrel here um, because there's just it's kind of a dead period for so many sports. And that's ending very soon. Yes. Nick Morgan, you're also here. Locked on Preds. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Chase, Brian, thank you for having me. 100% agree with you with fall being the best mm-hmm. sports season. Those like first couple weeks in September where college football's back on TV, you're starting to gear up for NFL, you hear like NBA and NHL training camps starting to ramp up, you're into the weeds with a baseball season. So it just feels like this is approaching like Christmas morning for sports fans right around the corner. Yeah. And, but, but for you, I think Nick's a little bit of a different experience with your college football, because for me, I get super excited, you know, I get real hype. And then usually around, you know, week two, week three, it's like, Oh, that's how the season's going to go. And so it's, it's yeah. let's see if the Florida game and then, you know, lose the Florida game. It's kind of like, all right, well, I yeah. guess we're starting a little bit. Maybe not this year though. Right. Chase. 
Well, we'll see. I mean, we got the Smoky Grays, it looks like, for the Florida game, which I'm very excited about that they're back. The Smoky Grays are just fantastic. And I didn't hate the dark mode that a lot of folks did last year. And for the people who didn't know, like the reason that they had the white helmets is because the shipping and everything has just been horrific that they couldn't get the helmets. So it was just mm-hmm. like they had to make do with what they had. Now with the all black, I think it would look better. But I mean, the Smoky Grays are just top notch. I am. I'm so excited for that one. And Tennessee actually has a good uh, track record in Smoky yeah. Grays against Florida. Dobbs beat Florida and Smoky Grays. So that's, right. that's something to keep in mind. But I mean, you're talking about the Florida game. I want to get through the Pitt game week two, like on the road and Pitt. Like people are just overlooking that. And I'm like, Pitt's a better team than Florida this year. It's on the road that they lost to Pitt last year. Let me get through week two and then I'll I'll reassess where we're at. Are you going up to the uh, big house any, any this year there, Nick? Uh, Possibly. Yeah. Maybe looking for a couple of weekends to go. Uh, obviously, a lot of uh, hockey stuff coming up that might interfere with the schedule, but <laughs> got to make it to at least one game in Ann Arbor this year. Um, I ooh, like I, I want to say like they're going to be as good as they were last year, bringing a lot of people back, but they also just lost so many really good good people especially on the defensive side of the ball but you know what we can go like one in 11 if that one is against ohio state it's a great season hold on you don't want to go one in 11 nobody wants to go one in 11 you don't want to be zero and 10 zero and 11 going into the ohio state game you don't want wouldn't, that wouldn't that be the most hilarious and oh it would be season ever That'd be they, rough. They, imagine michigan getting stomped by rutgers and maryland then going out and hanging 42 on ohio state yeah, that would be. I've never awesome. heard this take from a fan before. I've never heard that I want to lose every game except for the rivalry game, yeah. and then just lay it on them. This maybe, is a new maybe, take. Maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration. I don't know. In my eight, yeah. my eight years at UT, I was just like, just give me one, give me a one win against Florida, and I'm I don't yeah. care what happens the rest of the yeah. year. But now, you, now it's Bama. Like, what would you give to beat Bama? see Bama's not it's not Bama for me it's Florida. Like, I just want to get over the Florida hump, and it's like this year, like for folks, like. <laughs> Bama's Bama. It's inevitable. It's not a, uh, it, it's just one of those things. Until Saban's gone, like you just, you take your lumps with Bama. Yeah. yeah. Florida yeah, is the one where it's like, Tennessee's been better Florida than Florida. Recently. Say it again. Yeah. At least you've beaten Florida recently. Like what? That's, well, I mean, the, you want to like, go through the, the history. We've there. It wasn't Florida. that long ago. That was it though. So if you go yeah. through it, I think Tennessee's beaten Florida. They beat once Florida in 20 years. Yep. They, 2004, they beat them last. Last year, Ron yeah. Zook. I went to school in 05, and we didn't beat them again until the uh, Juwan Jennings game. Yes. Oh, that was Georgia. No, I'm talking about you, nope. the Dobbs one. Yeah. Yes. But we did beat we did beat Alabama one like 06, was it? It's like that Either six or game? five. I want to say it's a five. We yeah. should have beat them in 09 with yeah. friend of the pod, Jonathan Crompton, who was on yesterday, where they drove down two minute drill right there. Easy field goal. Terrence Cody gets in, blocks it. Tennessee right. loses. Yeah. yeah. But so like Nick was saying about Michigan losing a lot of players, you know, they're good players last year and then they lost them to the draft and we got draft news yesterday. Uh, right. That is true. Yeah. We do have draft news. So Nashville is hosting the draft. They're hosting the award show. Nick, what does that mean for Nashville? How big of a deal is this? Well, first off, it's fantastic that the entire basically last week of June is going to be taken up by NHL hockey in Mm. Nashville. Uh, They think they said this is the first time since 2006 that the same city has hosted both the awards um, and the NHL draft. 
I think it's going to be awesome. You know, it, hmm. it really is. You know, I think Nashville, and we've talked about this before, Nashville kind of knows how to throw a party when it comes to big events. And I think you're seeing a lot of um, sports leagues, entertainment, that kind of stuff start to recognize that. And I think more importantly, like players really want to go to like a fun city like Nashville, especially if it's the off season Um, media really want to come here. Uh, You got, you know, obviously scouts, celebrities that may be involved in some way with the award show. So it's becoming a little bit more of a destination. And I think that's super cool. And I think this is just another good example of the league starting to recognize how well Nashville kind of runs big events like this. You saw it last year with the stadium series and you're seeing them again, rewarding them with both the draft and the awards. Interesting. What do you think, Brian? Yeah. I mean, like he said, it's going to be really cool. I'm, I'm personally excited just because, you know, this is, you know, I've been covering games for a couple of years now, which is great. You get to see some people, you know, every once in a while, I get to see some really great writers that cover the other teams come into town and it's really awesome. Uh, but, you know, the entire hockey media world will be there, you know, not just not just from all the teams, but you'll get international folks, which is one of my favorite is when you get the international folks with some of the international players. Um, you know, I don't necessarily look forward to what downtown is going to be like that week, but I do work two blocks from Bridgestone now. So I've got my free parking at the very least. Uh, but, you know, it'll be it's going to be really, really exciting. I think, you know, again, I've talked about our prospects guy over at on the four check, uh, Eric, you know, it'll be great because I think every scout, you know, somebody, I know that a lot of scouts for teams follow him just to kind of get an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he'll probably know every single player that walks around by, you know, be like, Oh yeah, that's this guy. He's been yeah. playing in the, uh, in Poland's fourth league and he's got a great, you know, shot and he's a great skater. So that'll be cool to see that. And, uh, but really, I mean, it's just like, it's kind of feels like it's a, uh, Nashville gets to be the center of the hockey world for basically a week. And it's, it's really exciting, especially in that, you know, end of June where nothing else is going on. Yeah. So. And when you're talking about drafts to get, you can't get much better than the 2023 NHL draft. Cause there's a lot of people that say this might be the best one, like kind of in our generation in terms of depth, especially depth of the top Connor Bedard. There's a lot of people that are saying he's kind of like that next generational talent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll have to see, but then, and then, but you know, the next two guys, Fantilli and Mishkoff, those are two guys that probably would have gone number one in the draft this year, either mm-hmm. of them, if they came out this year. So you're going to have an all-star class. You're going to have a lot of rowdy fans uh, for whoever the top three are coming into town, wanting to see who that number one pick is. It's probably going to be Bedard, but uh, they're going to want to be there in person to celebrate. Uh and again, like fans of NA, other NHL teams just want to come to Nashville and hang out and party on Lower Broad, which means us natives are probably going to avoid Lower mm-hmm. Broad for about two and a half weeks. Um, but you know what? It, it's fun and it's good for the city and it's good to kind of see, um, you know, Nashville kind of on these sports men like that. Now, I will say, and I was talking about that this morning on the Locked On Predators podcast. If you're planning the NHL awards and you're planning some of the draft entertainment, please, something else besides country. Like, obviously, country is key to the Nashville identity. Like, obviously. But there's so many other cool things. In what would Nashville you recommend? Yeah. 
Like there's so many other things like that you can definitely kind of influence that. Matt kind of right in though. Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. Like, remember how the Seattle Kraken did their expansion draft picks where they're like different celebrities all over town mm. and they had one one name on like the bottom of the fish and Marshawn Lynch announced our uh, our boy Callie Yarncroke. You know, all of these like cool things. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Like, wouldn't it be fun just to like see like somebody like pulling a name out in the middle of the Parthenon and being like the heart trophy goes to so-and-so or like, Hey, how about this? Like go to loveless cafe and put like Kale McCarr's face in biscuit form. And he's like, and the Norris goes to, and then just, there's a giant McCarr biscuit. McCarr biscuit. Yeah. Like wouldn't like (laughs) just, just something other, just something other than just, like like a Broadway band performing on stage during every break in every show. So I will say, one, I have a counter for you. What if what if they feature Dolly Parton? Will you waive your no country rule? Ooh. Well, I didn't I didn't say no country. I just said stuff other than country. Okay. Like country's fine. Obviously, give me Dolly Parton all day. I was gonna say, have like, Dolly do I need Parton to go get my Dollywood hat? That's somewhere around here. I need to go. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, this is a like, very pro Dolly podcast, sir. So tread lightly, Nick. This yeah, is have Dolly, uh, Dolly all the time. The entire NHL awards. Dolly Parton's an idea. The queen of the state. Mm. Just give me like other things. Well, the one thing Dolly will have to answer for at some point. She has a rare miss. Brian, stay with me on this for a second. Okay. She advertised the Mexican pizza returning at Taco Bell. And it was a part of this. It's like one of her favorites. My fiance loves the Mexican pizza. It's one of her favorites. It has been out of stock the entirety of the summer. We had it for like a week and a half and then it disappeared. And they over they overpromised. Like bringing it back, getting everybody all in, and then they did not have the means to keep the Mexican pizza going. It's a rare miss for Dolly. We have to be fair on this podcast. I don't think she I don't think she controls inventory there, Chase. You got to ask questions though. If you're going to do the ad, you're going to be like, "Hey, how are we doing? Are we sure we can handle it this summer? People love the Mexican pizza. Can we do this? Yeah, so I, real quick question about this, the draft. Like who would be each of you? Like who would be somebody that one, you'd either be like really excited to see them be a part of it or two, mm. since it's in town, would you be excited to like meet? From, Nick? from a hockey standpoint or just like, a like anybody who might be there? Uh, let's see. Like me, I wouldn't if they have Keenan Thompson do it again. I'd I'd kill to meet Keenan Thompson. Oh, for sure. Let's see. Uh, boy, I feel like you're gonna get like, like the Keith Urban again. Luke mm-hmm. Bryan, I feel like it's involved here. Uh, um, I would say you know it's. I would like to hear Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry would be fun. I would like to get some Titans in there. Um, I think who else could be cool in Nashville? Um, hmm. This is interesting. I have not. Uh, I don't know. Like, who would be good at like Chris Rock? Let's bring him back. You haven't seen him in a while hosting any <laughs> award shows. We haven't seen any of that. Let's bring him in. Uh, let's yeah, bring wait. Chris Rock back in. Yeah, can't wait for like the first Milan Lucic joke he makes, where he just walks up and punches him in the face on stage too. That's yeah. a possibility. See, there we go. Like, I am creating all sorts of entertainment ideas uh, for <laughs> yeah. the NHL award show. I don't know. So, are y'all both planning to go? Is this something that uh, you will attend? I hope so. 
yeah. Nick, I've, okay. uh, Nick, I've already I've already spoken to some people to see what's going to be available for us to be able to, to do the coverage. So hopefully. Oh, yeah. 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 We, we got to lay the uh, like the giant press row table out there throughout the week. <laughs> Uh, I know mm-hmm. you're probably planning something. I'm planning something. Uh, the, the wheels are spinning. But other than that, you know, I think it'd just be fun to go for the experience. Uh, you know, me personally, I missed the 2003 draft. My family was out of town on vacation. Uh, it was the saddest trip to an amusement park I've ever been to because I was missing <laughs> the draft in Nashville. Um, so I'm very excited to go just to kind of see like the experience of being able to go see a draft, something new. Um, and then the NHL awards, I, you know, they've kind of sucked the past few years, but you know, maybe you do some creative ideas. Maybe you kind of get the local flavor involved a little bit. You can make this fun. Like you Mm -hmm. can kind of revive the NHL awards. One thing that's very interesting. So in the press release that they put out, like they flat out said, yeah, Bridgestone Arena is going to host the NHL draft. They said Nashville's hosting the NHL awards. They didn't say where. I was just looking at that. I'm like, they didn't specifically say Bridgestone Arena is going to host the NHL awards. And because the draft is two days later, you can conceivably see it being somewhere else. Like maybe like they do the Brentwood Academy. Yeah. Like maybe they do the awards at the Ryman. Ryman. That's like yeah. the whole mm-hmm. thing. Uh, maybe they go across the street to the skirmer horn or something like that. Maybe they do like on the on the banks of the Cumberland River right there, the end of Lower Broad, like find Grand Old Opry, there. maybe yeah. Opry. You could do uh, the amphitheater there on the river. Yeah, like there there's some creative possibilities there. And I feel like they intentionally kind of left that vague. made a point to leave that blank just so hmm. they can have some time to think, OK, logistically, how can we do this? But there's yeah. some cool things I think you can do with that. I think with, I, I, I'm not sure if them because Ryman was my first I thought, too. But I'm like, I'm not sure that they could fit enough people in, like, like especially for like the, you know, you know, for having all those people there and stuff like that. But the Opry, maybe. Um, yeah, I think the amphitheater would be a cool idea if they want really want to do the awards outside, which I don't know if I'd recommend. Yeah. Well, can you also convince a, a bunch of Scandinavians dressed in luxury suits to sit outside in a Nashville summer for three hours? It's true, but good point. Yeah, I, we'll see. Ultimately, a fun time, a good move. I think it will be well attended. It will be a fun time for all in Nashville. Uh, Brian, there was a big signing by the Calgary Flames. What uh, what do you make of that? And with free agency nearly over, I mean, we got Phil Kessel still out there. Like, where where you have free agency and this big signing for the Flames? Yeah, I mean, so Kadri was a guy we talked about a few times that you know mm-hmm. before the the rest of the trades came in and, and signings, but you know he he's came off of a really great season. He's obviously a player that's got some you know, kind of a speckled history of things, but he's, you know, he did a great, he had a career year. And uh, so the flames, after they lost, you know, they lost Johnny Cadreau, they lost, um, Oh, who was the other person? Nick. Matthew Kachuk. Kachuk. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so but Charlie they, wanted. Yeah, that's right. Who Charlie, yeah, Charlie wanted. Uh, so they got Kadri at, at was $7 million for seven years, which maybe a little bit more than I was expecting for him. Although I knew he was probably going to get a good price. So they replaced at least a piece. Uh, I think they also signed, uh, uh, how do you say it? Man- Manjapane. 
Manjapani, yeah. Manjapani, yeah. Uh, they got him, which he's a great, he's a great player. I completely forgot about like him being out there, you know, on the market. And then they traded uh, Sean Monahan to Montreal for future considerations. And if y'all haven't had a chance to look the uh, the provisions for the getting the first round pick or whatever for uh, for Monahan, this whatever, there's like this massive list of conditions, and there's like five different scenarios where they could get it, and there's like ten steps in each. And I'm not even going to go close into trying to figure out how to explain it, but. It was just really interesting because usually contract stuff is just like, you know, hey, 12 teams he, they, he doesn't want to go to. And that's about it. But it was interesting. And I think that Calgary is probably not going to get the production from this group like they did from from Goudreau and and uh, Kachuk. But, you know, hey, they they kind of they, they were able to kind of reload after this. Conditions, yeah. man, have ruined uh, a lot of these sports now. Where you look at the picks and you're like, the NBA, like when I, even NBA stuff, where I'm tracking, I'm like, does this pick convey when? Okay, what are the parameters of this pick conveying? And like, what are we doing? Like, every trade is so much more complicated now. Instead of just like first round pick, that's where it is. It's like you you got to go through and you're like, oh my god, is this actually a first round pick? Is this actually going to turn into two seconds, three years from now? hockey's the same way like it's just there's so many conditions and you have to kind of be a capologist or i need an intern who just focuses on the cap so when i i just hey what does this mean uh explain this to me like i'm five what were you about to say nick oh yeah no i agree with that it's like it's like oh yeah if you play at least 15 minutes a night use <laughs> on every tuesday from here mm-hmm. on out and score at least one assist per game on every day game yeah then, you know this becomes moves from a second to a third like a first and then you give them a third it's Mm. chaos like it's it's a lot to keep track of that's why i'm just like waiting till the season's over to be like yep this is the pick we we plan yeah right Um, but but to brian's point on calgary um it's very weird to say this but calgary's had a pretty good off season all things considered when you look and you see they lost their two best players from last year that would cripple most teams but the fact that they've been able to get up they got jonathan huberto who in his own right was kind of a fringe mvp candidate last year uh, they got him and locked him up to a long-term deal they brought in nazam kadri who is a very good um, kind of your prototypical second line center and all of a sudden you know you look at calgary and it's like okay you know what maybe Gaudreau and kachuk that loss is bigger than the sum of you know, bringing in Huberto and Kadri, but you've at least addressed a couple of big holes and replaced them with two very, very good players in their own right. And let's also not let, uh, forget the other piece on that Matthew Kachuk trade was Mackenzie Weger, who is one of the most underrated defensive defensemen in the NHL. And I know Brian is smiling and shaking his head because uh, he is very, very well loved in the the analytical community just because <laughs> of his underlying numbers there. But you watch him play, you look at kind of the the impact he has on the game. That is a very good get. That is like a top two quality defenseman that the Calgary Flames got. Um, and you combine that with some of their other good defensemen like Noah Hannafin. Um, and, you know, Rasmus Anderson, you put them in front of Jacob Markstrom, who is one of the best goalies in the NHL last year. Calgary, Calgary's in it. Calgary's in that Pacific division slobber knocker, and they could be a team that makes a lot of noise next year. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, it'll be very interesting to see, but yeah, like you said with Uyghur, like he's one of those guys 
you know, it's like the re- same reason why I used to always really love Mark Edward uh, Vlasic for yeah. San Jose, just because he was that like shut down defensive guy. But he's yeah, I think. I mean, they're, they're not – I don't know if they're going to hit that same level of where they were last season, but they've got the potential to do it. And then, you know, they got some of these deals in. You know, Cowdery's locked up for forever. Huberto's locked up forever. So, I mean, they've got they've got a lot – you know, if you're going to have to get rid of guys, you know, then, you, you know, you bring in guys that may not be as good, but you've got them under team control for a little bit longer. And, you know, you've got a good direction as to where you want to take a franchise like that. Yeah, David Quinn also just going to San Jose went under the radar. That was like one of those like news dumps where no one really talked about it. But you're like, what is San Jose doing? Like they're kind of just in a weird spot. David Quinn was just seems like a really weird hire for them. I don't know. Weird stuff with the Sharks right now. There's been there's feels like there's been some weird stuff with the Sharks for like the past three, four years. Yeah, um, it seemed like they're you talk about a team like that desperately needed a rebuild. That's mm-hmm. San Jose. And that's like one of the things I've mentioned because of, of course there's a lot of Preds fans are like, they, they should tear it down. They should trade everybody and start over. You look at what San Jose has. Well, first off, look what Nashville has mm-hmm. three of their four highest paid players had career best seasons last year. Mm-hmm. One of whom did something no defenseman has done since like the early 1990s in terms of scoring. They have a Vezina candidate goaltender, that like a rebuild's not the problem for the Nashville Predators. You look at the San Jose Sharks, they are tying up a lot of money in Eric Carlson, who's been bad for a good number of years. Logan Couture, who's hurt all the time. Like all of their players, they are just like investing money in left and right. They're all bad. Like they are having like mediocre to bad seasons. Mm. That's the team that needs a rebuild. Like that's the team you need to tear down. Like the Nashville Predators, you just need to build around the stars you have. You don't need to tear yeah. things down. San Jose needs to burn the house to the ground and rebuild <laughs> the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Them, Chicago, too, I think was putting it off for a really long time. And Chicago's <sighs> finally there, it looks like. But that, that was one where it just, I, you just did not know what they were doing. I'm very excited to watch Chicago play a whole lot of games this season and just. Like it would be, be awful for a while, right? Like yeah. I don't see a path to them not being bad for years. The no. only thing that would ruin the, the the draft in Nashville last year is if if the Chicago wins the lottery. Yeah, and he gets they get the fake, but you'll get the biggest booze and everything, huh. you know, from from the crowd. So, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm, I'm, it's too bad that Charlie's not here because Charlie is kind of one of those blow it up and start over guys. So. Yeah. But it's just like one of those things where we've talked about on this pod and like y'all being the hockey experts. It's also just that like, look, you're in it and there are years where (laughs) hockey is just different than other pro sports where you get hot at the right time. And like, yeah, there are the teams like the Lightning that are just whatever Uh, they are there. That's just like a different type of breed where it's like we knew the Lightning are going to be good going into the year and then the Lightning are good. And it's like, whoa, the Lightning in the finals again. Who could have ever foreseen that? Um, But you look at the other thing where it's like the I mean, the Maple Leafs do everything right every year. They build a team where you're like, this all makes sense. What a great team. This should... And it doesn't work. Like there is some sort of hex on uh, on the Toronto Maple Leafs that just it's not fair. Like what's happening to the Maple Leafs fans every year is just I, I couldn't imagine. So the boil up crew and to your point, Nick, it's a good core right now. Like this is like your playoff team last year. Obviously, you weren't even close with Colorado and that was a really rough series. But like you don't know. Like the scoring will pick up. We talked about it on the pod last week where we might get some lines that 
overperform. There will be guys who are younger who will be a year older. They pop a little bit more. We're going to see. I think there is more room to move up. The question that I think we have, and we haven't heard your opinion on this, is that like with Haslam moving in and with your GM being here as long as he has, getting up there in age, I don't think he's going to sign on for a rebuild. I don't think uh, Bill Haslam is going to sign on uh, as to a full teardown right out of the gate. He wants momentum. Most owners, when they come in, they're spin, spin, spin. Like we're dar- darting in. I want to make a splash. They're not pivoting. They're not tearing it down to the bare bones. You do the bare bones before the ownership group comes in, where it's like, we have no parts. You can do whatever you want to do when you come in, pay all the money. Like we're not going to be responsible for any contracts. You can spend, do whatever. I don't, I don't think the Preds are at that point. I don't think the Preds would ever even consider that kind of full teardown. No. And David Poyle, you mentioned he's towards the end of his career. He's not going to go out on a rebuild. Yep. He's not going to end his career as in like, well, let me just uh, stockpile some first round picks (laughs) and, you know, a couple of guys that maybe work out and then the next guy can uh, have a good little run. Mm. David Poyle is going to want to win a Stanley Cup. Something he hasn't done as an executive. Like he really believed, I mean, you saw it a couple of seasons ago where he had some opportunities to trade um, some guys that would have gotten him significant pieces, guys like Nick Benino and Craig Smith. He passed on a chance to trade them at the deadline. Um, he passed on a chance to trade Matthias Eckholm famously uh, last season. Um, he held on to Ryan Ellis, you know, until the off season. And when you asked him, I mean, look at this year, Philip Forsberg. There was a lot of people that thought the Preds need to trade Philip Forsberg if he's not signed at the deadline. He held on to him. That worked out. Same thing with Mikhail Granlund a year ago. He held on to him. That worked out. He really believes in this core. Like, you hear him talk when you hear him say, he's like, well, you know, maybe conventional wisdom would say to trade him, but I don't want to. Like he's flat out said he doesn't want to trade these guys because he still thinks he can build a team around him. And, you know, to his credit, he did try like up, you know, sort of the late 2010s after that cup run. He did make some big, big swings to try to bring in a lot of good talent. It just didn't work out. And I think that's maybe where some of the distrust around Poyle comes in for the Preds fan base. But I think you're seeing him this year take the right steps. You know, I think bringing in Ryan McDonough, there's there's maybe some uh, debate about that contract and whether that's good for the Predators long-term. Um, but Ryan McDonough is going to make that Preds defense better. Nino Niederreiter when you look at the way the Predators play is exactly the type of person you want playing on that second line. He does so much in so many different areas of the game. He is almost like a carbon copy of what the Predators identity is. And he's going to be playing next to Ryan Johansson. And that pairing makes (laughs) me very excited on a line. Yeah. There you go. Um, Well, Next up, major trades. Our last major topic on this podcast today. Brian, this was your idea. Mm-hmm. How do you want to frame this? How do you want to go about uh, major pra- trades involving the Preds and uh, what your research 
found. Yeah. So I was going to, you know, speaking of talking about the big trades with Poyle and what he's done, you know, previously, I wanted to look at some that have happened in the last three or four seasons. <laughs> and let's let's give a retrospective grade on these type of things. And I, I'll start with a with a softball, one that we all panicked about last summer i remember exactly where i was when i found out i was sitting in the adventure science center in a watching a movie in the planetarium and all of a sudden my phone just heats up and just doesn't stop and everybody's like they traded ryan ellis um as you know they traded ryan ellis his guy who he signed that was it six million dollar deal and his, Mm -hmm. his goal was to stay with the predators for the rest of his career and they traded him and got back Cody Glass and Philippe Myers. Um, and so I wanted to start with, I guess, start with you, Nick. Like, what do you think about that trade? Well, maybe you should skip me because I was most excited for Phil Myers in that trade at the time. Hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, this is somebody who's going to fly under the radar. And uh, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I was wrong on Luke Cunning this year, too. But Yeah, well, we'll get to uh, that one. Yeah, you know, it, it's hard to tell because we don't really know what Cody Glass is going to become in Nashville yet. And Ryan Ellis really hasn't been able to play any games in Philadelphia yet either just because of his injury problems this year. Um, sounds like he might be healthy going into next season. So, you know, maybe seeing him in Philadelphia and seeing what the impact is there. And then maybe Cody Glass may get another chance at being, you know, kind of a full-time Preds player this year. Maybe we'll be able to grade it a little bit more. Um, but, you know, the the Phil Myers thing, I think, leaves a very sour taste in everybody's mouth for this trade <laughs> right now, where one of your two major pieces was in Milwaukee at the halfway point of the year and then, you know, basically traded as a cap sweetener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's I think right now we could probably say that it was a good move just for the fact that Ryan Ellis may not have been able to play this last season, even here yeah. in Nashville. And so we'll see where Cody Glass goes. I mean, I, I think maybe it's a, a push at this point and we'll see. And, but... you, get, and you get Ryan Ellis's contract off the books, too. Yep. You have some more wiggle room. Yeah. So. Um, you know, speaking of, well, let's see, let's go back a little bit further because we saw that uh, uh, Kyle Turris yesterday announced that he's retiring from the NHL and he's going to go coach, help coach. Uh, was it like, I don't even remember what the league name is, but it's in some, it's like a BCHL or something team up in Canada. Yeah. Um, hmm. But we'll talk about that trade, the very famous three-way trade uh, that sent uh, uh, Kamenev and Sam Gerard, one of my favorite guys, uh, and a 2018 second round pick to... See, they sent that to Colorado. Colorado sent Matt Duchesne to Ottawa, and then Kyle Turris came to Nashville, where he signed a immediate six by six deal. I can I could probably ask either one of you this one. What you think of that trade? <laughs> Go I mean, ahead, it's it's got to be up there in worst trades in in franchise history. It's it's not quite as bad as the Cody Franzen debacle, but. I mean, it's up there, and especially because you lose Sam Gerrard, who's mm-hmm. all of a sudden looking like um, a really good long-term piece for the Colorado Avalanche. And reminder, he didn't even play much in the postseason. He was hurt for pretty much all of the postseason. Mm-hmm. So they did all that without a guy a lot of people consider one of their four best defensemen. So just imagine how good Colorado is going to be with Sam Gerrard. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's a shame Terrace really didn't work out. 
you know, for a while he did. Like, mm-hmm. let's not forget, like, the first, like, six months he was on the Preds, Kyle Turris was, like, one of the best players on the Preds. Um, and then, you know, some injuries happen and some trades, and he just could never really find his mojo. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this this has to go down as, as one of the, the worst trades. A, because of the contract you lock Kyle Turris in, which you're going to be paying for for the next several years. B, because you lose, you know, a star prospect in Sammy Gerrard, who's proving to be a very good NHL player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they pay him $2 million a year until 2028. And I mean, that's 2 million. They got about 2.4 million in space right now. They had that 2 million freed up. You know, there's a, there's a Phil Kessel, there's somebody else, but that's, they bought him out and he didn't catch on with Edmonton. So yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a great trade. I, I but was that a that hindsight one. thing where like at the time, do y'all remember what you were feeling? Did you feel like this was actually going to just backfire significantly and that you were giving up a star prospect and that that's this is what Gerard was going to be and injuries were going to be a question mark with Turris when he came in not really I mean I liked Kyle Turris I liked him as a player Mm. Um, you know he had a couple of good seasons with Ottawa and you know maybe at the time you consider okay maybe a little bit of an overpay but you know, at the at the time, everybody thought this was a great trade. You know, you, you don't necessarily need Sammy Gerrard because you already have a very strong top four. Um, you know, what, you, what you're really missing is a second-line center. And remember, that was the year that Mike Fisher retired, so the Predators were kind of very desperate for center depth. Yeah. Um, so at the time, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people that said this was – a, a great trade, you know, something that the Predators can really kind of build around. It just didn't work out. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but you know that's that's how it goes. Um, a couple, a couple more, depending on how mm. much. Um, actually, we can do some real quick ones. Uh, Nick Benino being traded to the Wild for Luke Cunning. <laughs> I feel like Nick's got some takes on the Cunning trade. Huh. I mean, it's fine. Fine. It it because Nick Benino didn't really do much in uh, Minnesota either, and now he's in San Jose, also not really doing much. Which fun fact? uh, It looks like he and Luke Cunningham are going to be on the same line next year in San Jose. Yeah. So there's a there's a band back together. Yeah, that's part of the reason I, and we'll get to this in a second, I'm sure. But this is part of the reason I wanted Kevin Fiala back to Nashville this offseason was just to put him on the same line as Mikhail Granlund and let the interwebs just lose their mind over it. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of that, what do you think about the trade of Kevin Fiala for Mikhail Granlund? I think this one will be a little bit more of a difficult one. Mm. Even... Like, I really do think it's even mm-hmm. because I think both franchises got what they needed out of it. For Nashville, it took a while. Like, mm-hmm. it really did take a while. But Mikhail Granlin's probably one of the most underrated, important players on the Nashville Predators. Like, one of the players who is most critical to their success that's not often talked about. And then, you know what? Minnesota, they needed kind of a young, dynamic score to sort of build around and, you know, Kaprizov wasn't there yet when Fiala started taking off. Obviously, he comes in. He and Fiala have some good chemistry together. Um, and, you know, they had a dynamic kind of thing to build around. And when their cap struggles hit, 
they flipped Fiala for some good pieces to build for the future. So it's weird because like at the time, if you would have asked me, you know, a year ago, maybe a year and a half, I would have said hands down, like Minnesota pulled a heist on the predators on this. Hmm. But now seeing the season Mikhail Granlin had and how important he is for this team moving forward. I, I, I mean, you chime in too, Brian, but like, I would say this is about 50, 50. I think, yeah, I think, like you said, both teams got what they needed, I think, out of the trade. And, I mean, let's be honest, Kevin Fiala is a great talent, but he hit a wall in Nashville in his development. And I don't know if you want to attribute that to to Peter Laviolette, if you want to attribute it to, you know, Nashville not having a great record of developing the forwards that they draft. But you could just tell that it just wasn't quite all there for Fiala. And Granlin came comes in and he's offers a, a different, I mean, he's not n- nearly as technically skilled or, you know, just have that pure skill, you know, talent that he, that Fiala has. But I think it was a good move because, you know, it, it, again, it was a, it was one for one. It was just a really easy, a good trade and it made sense. And it gave Fiala a chance to kind of reinvent himself, which he had a pretty good couple of years in, in Minnesota. Um, and his reward was to go to San Jose now, but yeah, you know, I think I think it worked out really, really, really uh, well for both teams because Miguel Cranland. I'm very glad that Nashville has him for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And there then, yeah, I had one more, and then we can yeah. we can go off at this one. Um, you know, the something that we didn't even I don't think anybody really talked about last season, even though we thought it was going to be a huge thing. The trade of Victor Arvidsson to L.A. for a second and a, th- a third. What do you think of that? You know what? It's you know you kind of mentioned Kevin Fiala hitting a wall here, and I kind of felt that way about Victor Arvidsson. Um, I love Victor Arvidsson. Uh, his jersey is still in my little jersey closet right here. One of my favorite Nashville Predators. Love the way he plays. Love his nose for the goal. Um, but it kind of became clear that once John Hines took over. It just it didn't seem like he was a fit, which is very weird because you consider the way Victor Arvidsson played and you consider the way, you know, John Hines looks at some of his players, like a solid forechecking and a lot of speed and how, you know, guys like Tanner Janot have really taken over. It seems like he would have been a perfect fit for what John Hines wanted to do. But for some reason, it just never clicked. And you can see, you know, sort of towards the end where Victor Arvidsson's ice time just kind of, you know, dwindled a little bit. You know, he wasn't kind of the go-to guy anymore. And I feel like the Predators just needed to make a change. And Victor Arvidsson needed to change. And Victor Arvidsson said it himself, like, you know, in, uh, you know, in an article with the LA Kings, he's just like, you know what, like, I enjoyed my time there, but I think we just needed fresh ideas, a fresh start. And that's fine. And, you know, the Predators obviously this year had trouble filling that void on the second line. Um, But, you know, now you have an opportunity to go out and find somebody that fits more of what John Hines wants to do. And that's apparently what Nino Niederreiter comes into handy. And there's still some guys out there, either via trade or via free agency, that, hey, by this time at the trade deadline, Nashville might be kicking the tires on. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Brian, that was a fun exercise. That was good. I like it. 
Good. I'm I'm glad. I thought it was interesting. I wanted to get, you know, especially Nick, I wanted to get your opinion on some of these because, you know, it's there's been he's got I will say this, like I bring this up because we have had plenty of justified criticism about the moves that David Poyle has made. Um, but, you know, I, I have to admit that like fairly recently, the last three or four years, there's been some good moves or smart moves rather maybe that it didn't com- completely improve the team immediately but made sense like getting ryan ellis off the books like that broke my heart but it was i mean he was right on i mean he knew he you know they, he probably had some insight on the fact that he was going to be injured but it's still you know that's he's he's done okay i'm not too disappointed after the last you know year and a half or so mm-hmm. yeah there you go Nick, what can the good folks check out from you over on Locked On Preds and on the forecheck this week? Yeah, uh, so next week we're going to be talking uh, a World Junior Championships wrap-up. We had a very good show with our buddy Eric Denay um, this week about some of the Preds. We're going to be talking just the tournament as a whole next week. Um, we're also going to be doing uh, some Central Division crossovers. Uh, so mm. basically we get the hosts from other um, locked on channels. Uh, we did one already with um, Columbus. We did one, even though they're not in the central division anymore. Uh, we did one uh, with Minnesota. We're going to try to do some with uh, Arizona. Who's in an interesting spot, Dallas, who's in an interesting spot. Uh, so we'll have a lot of content coming up this week. And we also got some fun stuff coming up on, on the forecheck.com as well. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, player look aheads, we're going to kind of give the expectations for every Preds player heading into the 2023 season. Uh, so be sure you're uh, checking on the forecheck.com and also uh, listening to lockdown predators every weekday. There you go. Also Columbus is like just such a central area. Like Columbus not being in a central division. is just weird. Like you just think about it and you're like, that's just when I think central U S like Columbus, it's just right there. Yeah. Uh, Brian, what about you? What would you like to plug as we wrap up here today? Yeah, uh, so of course Nick covered the stuff that we're doing over at on the forecheck. Uh, we're doing those player things. I've got to actually go in there and pick some players before I get stuck. You know, doing a look ahead for for Mark Borowiecki and you know uh, who is who's that guy John Leonard or something. I got to make sure I grab a couple of the great players. But um, you know, there's that. I think we're just I'm just hyping myself up because I'm realizing I was looking at my calendar and being like, oh, this starts real soon. Uh, so just kind of prepping for that, trying to figure out what we're going to do and you know there's lots of I'm, i know that uh me and uh charlie sonia with the renegades of puck i know we're getting we're getting ready to start up and start doing those uh post game videos every, every you know every game so yeah just keep a lookout for that it looks it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty awesome there you go brian nick thank you so much for making the time uh and i will talk to you brian next week nick mm-hmm. we'll have yeah. to have you back on the, the show again soon for sure chase anytime thank you for having me all right, y'all, that'll do it for Preds Power Hour uh, Part 2 here on the Saturday Local Hour Edition here on the Chase Mums Podcast. Thank you, as always, for making the Chase Mums Podcast part of your day listen wherever and however you listen to the Chase Mums Podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe so you get all of our episodes each and every day here on your preferred podcast player. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Mums Podcast. Tweet at me at Chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right, Hour 3 here on the Saturday edition with the Atlanta Sports Guys coming up right after this stick around over there how to do nicely done nephew
Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.